0: Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem, call one-eight hundred gambler.
2: Hi folks, welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. We're back to talk about in part two of the Ravens defense against the Browns in Cleveland on Saturday night. And here to talk about with me is Josh Reed. Josh, how you doing?
3: I'm back for another round of torture, Ken. No, I'm just playing. <laughs> um, luckily, I don't want to talk about offense with you so we can just stay on the, just the positive takeaways of this Ravens game was that it was another good performance by their defense overall. All right. And
2: if, if you didn't listen to part one, we had interesting talk about fourth down, a lot about, you know, in general, what the Ravens were trying to do schematically and how the Browns went about, um attacking them. Uh, download that to take a list on that. and uh, i'll I'll warn you up front that if you're not a math guy or you don't really want to talk about the math of fourth down, just jump ahead the, through the first twenty minutes of the pod. You'll be a happier person, and i I frankly don't want to hear your complaints about it on on, on Twitter when you uh, decide you just have to tell me. but uh, anyway, Josh, really appreciate having you back. Let's talk a little bit about the pass rush in this game because. McDonald did use some numbers in this game, so there were some five plus rushes used, but it was really the four man rush that was most effective in this game, and there's very little in the way of deception.
3: Yeah, and you know it's good to see for the for it's been since I want to say 2018, since the Ravens have had a functional four man pass rush. That was the year they had you know the Suggs last year here, and Mm -hmm. they had Zadarius and, and and Judon and. You know, it's it's nice to see that, that that they don't have to devote so many guys into into the, their past rush in order to generate pressure, even though they were sending Kyle Helms in quite a bit in the first half. Um, but uh, you know, it's it is, it is it is nice to see it. I look forward to seeing more than just one snap from David Ajabo um, when they do those race car packages um from week to week.
2: Well, one of the nice things about the numbers, and I'll just go through these first, I think. Um they really had pretty good overall results in terms of yards per play, whatever they did. So with three, they only had one play with three and it went for 10 yards with four. They had 19 plays for 74 yards, 3.9 yards per play with five. It was eight plays for 44, five and a half yards, yards per play. But also on those eight plays, they had three sacks. So that's a lot of defensive variation. And that's good for the defense to give up five and a half yards, but have a lot of variation like that. And then with six, they, they had three plays for 12 yards. So Watson didn't really beat them. He didn't really make them pay for for rushing extra men. They did 11 times out of 31, and and uh, he didn't really make them pay on that. The 11 went for 56 yards. It's so just over five yards of play on those. Uh, they had seven pressures among their 33 dropbacks. Now, that is not good. So a lot of what the Ravens did was basically allow Jack, uh, um, Watson to stay within a confined and defined pocket and make his own mistakes
3: yeah and while that you know like i said didn't kill you against a rusty quarterback who's playing just his third game in 700 and some odd days whatever it is um that'll get you killed against a joe burrow okay because he um that dude has been an assassin this year and and he'll he'll dice you up and Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen are the same way you know and you know even if even if some by some reason they end up possibly winning the division and facing it, a, facing a, maybe a, a Los Angeles chargers, just Herbert can do the same thing. You know, those guys are so, are so good at, you know, like like not just, not just working out people because all, everybody will talk about their place outside of structure and outside of the pocket. Those guys can dice it from the pocket too. If you give them enough time to throw, Act, they'll they can read it. They can read the field real quick, and they can decide. And, and and they have weapons to make you pay too. So they have the kind of guys that you know will get open in the blink of an eye or in an instant. Um, and uh, it, it can cost you dearly. It did it didn't this game, but um, going forward, I'd like to see some more you know bang out of the buck for the for the pass rush. Well,
2: it's interesting. The two thousand nineteen Ravens also had a shot at Watson, uh, too, and they beat him forty-one-seven. In fact, it really should have been a shutout. They gave up a, a running touchdown late of forty-one yards, uh, but they they they. Um, Allowed Watson basically to do the same thing to be t- contained into the pocket, and it drives him nuts. It did then. Pr- I would say it drove him less nuts in this game, but it drove him absolutely nuts back then. In terms of where's the pressure coming from, he's got. A, he's. It's almost like he's not comfortable st- unless he's feeling the pressure and knows he's running in a defined way from it. Much more uncomfortable in the Star Wars trash compactor, slowly you know enveloping pressure uh th- that he can't figure out exactly where he needs to escape from it from because it hasn't completely developed yet and we did see an ats sack in this game one that was after you know a three-second pocket had been granted so it's, it's an interesting thing and i think it was i think it was probably you know borne out to be a very good move by mcdonald to basically let him make those unforced errors
3: yeah, um, some guys are just, you know, more nat- like natural and comfortable kind of throwing on the run. Like, okay, if something doesn't open right away, well, let me start moving this way. Oh, I, ca- I can't move this way because they're bottling me up here. Like their plan of attack, they had a similar plan of attack for Watson that that Miles Garrett said they wanted for Tyler Huntley, you know, as far as like, you know, keeping him in the pocket, making him stay there and and play from the pocket to beat them from the pocket, which, you know, neither quarterback was honestly able to do today. I mean, yeah, Deshaun Watson had, had the touchdown pass, but that was more of a gaffe at Patrick Queen than it was, you know, him just dicing up the defense. So, um, yeah, I think they did a good job as far as keeping him bottled up in the pocket. And um, like I said, it won't, that won't work against everybody, though.
2: Yeah, well, I I we I, we agree on that for sure. Um Watson uh, had 31, sorry, 12 of 31 dropbacks. He had ample time and space. That's a high number for a game now. Uh 39%. Uh Browns gained 49 yards on those plays. 4.1 yards per play. One sack with ample time and space. That's it that is thoroughly bad. Uh to to make so little out of such good opportunities. And that's a little bit where I'm going with with the unforced error component of this that he really delivered on those unforced errors.
3: Yeah, in fact, it's 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 and Like I said, I, the, my biggest fear coming into this game was like, all right, you know, like yeah, Deshaun Watson looked horrible against the Texans in his first game back. Um, he he looked he didn't look as god awful against the Bengals last week. Mm-hmm. He kind of started trying to he's kind of started to find a little bit of a groove, a groove in the second half. And then my, my big my big bugaboo coming into this like, all right, let please let this not be the Deshaun Watson getting back into his groove game. And they avoided that for the most part, but they also didn't make him. I I felt the Ravens were in position to make him look even rustier than he did in week whatever it was week 13 or whatever, when we came back with the Texas, I mm-hmm. felt like they were in the prime you know, position, you know, with Marcus Williams back with their pass rush, you know, and, and, and the Browns, you know, leaky offensive line, like not having their starting center. I thought the Ravens were in the prime position to, you know, really, really make him, like I said, capitalize on some forced, un- unforced errors and, you know, even maybe come up with a turnover or two Um, didn't happen. Um, They still had a solid um, outing overall, but you definitely want, want, to, want to see more from some of their uh, more creative packages, especially when they, do want to try to rush more than four
2: Uh, he was he was definitely um, more careful with the football this week Uh, Got the ball out quick before any pressure could develop 12 times. That's 39%. Also, of course, 85 yards on those, 7.1 yards per play. So there's a a component of that that truncates it. So your ball out quick numbers tend to be pretty good usually, unless you're throwing a lot of balls that are screens that get tackled for losses. Usually have a real high percentage complete on those. Uh, But that's still pretty good at 7.1 yards per play for those. And then the Ravens generated a pressure on only seven plays, 23%. Uh, nobody had more than two pressures on the Ravens, by the way. Uh, so six net yards. By the way, you will look at numbers for PFF. That'll include, for example, a sack by Urban as a pressure. It's a sack. Don't don't get me wrong. But to me, it's not a pressure. It's just a great motor play from Urban to keep going uh, because it didn't happen within the three seconds. So it's not it's not uh, you know necessarily something that you say that has a lot of predictive value for the future in or in terms of his ability to get to the quarterback. It's great motor play this time. I don't think it really says anything about the future in terms of him as a pass rusher.
3: No, yeah, I totally agree. Nobody was expecting Brett Ember to come in and 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 you know be a clay, clay as Campbell light, but I was happy for him though to get to get that sack. Yeah. I, think, I think it's his first one in a few years, so kudos to him.
2: Yeah, it was uh, it was good to see. He's really played well for the Ravens this year, so it's been a he's been a a definite positive, and he's, he might have a much bigger role if Campbell is out, as we mentioned in that first show. Uh, In terms of deception, uh, McDonald had seven individual blitzes. That's .23 per pass play from off the line of scrimmage. All those were singles. Never blitz two on the same play, which is kind of something the Ravens do pretty regularly, including when they're doing simulated pressure looks where they drop multiple people. They'll often blitz multiple people at the same time. Uh, But they were all singles. You mentioned Hamilton. He had the most of them with three. Uh, Queen also had three. Uh, Seven plays where they blitzed, they gave up. 6.4 6.4 yards per play, but they also had two sacks. So uh, I don't know if that's a great trade-off or not, but it's probably not terrible. 6.4 yards is not an earth-shattering number of yards per play, and two sacks will help you hopefully get off the field on uh, on some plays or get the, the Browns so far behind the sticks that they have a hard time uh, getting back on schedule.
3: Yeah, I think both of those sacks uh, from the mistaken were drive-enders or at least set them back to where the drives mm-hmm. didn't finish in, finish in the end zone. So, um, yeah, they were, they were clutch sacks. I'll, I'll give them that
2: yeah um so what else we got going on here simulated pressure on only three occasions uh where two plus draft line line of scrimmage those plays went for a total of 12 yards so no problem with those the Ravens did not employ a single stunt the entire game and that's really a tip of the hat to Watson so basically what what that really has to be defined from the sidelines because the players on the field sometimes just decide to do it under certain circumstances but in this case McDonald must have made it a point of emphasis no we're not going to stun at all because we want to maintain discipline rush lanes for Watson make sure he doesn't escape the pocket easily for some big yards because making plays with his legs is something we still respect him to be able to do we want to we want to see if he can actually throw the football and be more accurate than he's been these first two weeks
3: yeah uh, yeah and no, no, I, I I agree with the plan somewhat I just would have like to see a little bit more simulated pressures from because this is, like I like this is a guy who's been off from you know, mm-hmm. live action for almost two years, and you know, like yeah, he may have seen quite a bit in his first two years in the league, but he hasn't seen. This defense, he hasn't seen, you know, this version of the Ravens defense. He was 0 2 against the Ravens coming into this into this game, and I just, um, I thought they were going to try to do a little bit more to confuse him and, um, and kind of show him some things and kind of like like, 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 you know, maybe some like double a cap pressure and then, you know, being bailing out of that and uh, some that kind of stuff. And you know, I was, I was expecting at least one of the linebackers to get an interception today, just off of something like that, just because I just felt it could have been effective against a guy like like that who's, like I said, still working through the kinks.
2: Yeah, it'd been nice if they could have gotten hands in the face, tipped some balls like they have in previous weeks, which led to some some uh, nice opportunities for picks. But that was not to be had this week. Uh, Oway had two pressure events within three seconds—one full and uh, pressure, and half a sack. Uh, Urban had a pressure and had the S minus nine. As I mentioned, that was a late one, so he's the only other guy who had you know two events. As kind of one of them, really wasn't even on schedule, so. It was not a very good day for the Ravens pass rush, but but they were taking care to get that ball out quickly, uh, most of the time.
3: Yeah, I was really disappointed, um, Justin Houston for not having better hand placement on that sack. That would have been a huge, huge, huge play for that defense. And, you know, there's no telling what the offense would have done if had they gotten the ball back there, but you know, I just I just felt like, oh man, they're kinda of like Took the took the air out of the you know like you know out of out of their balloon a little bit just because it was like a huge play only to be negated by by a face, face mask penalty. Yeah, yeah,
2: that was that was awful. Uh, had me screaming at the TV set. Uh, you know, in terms of of where they were on the field too. Obviously, a very big play from mm-hmm. from from that standpoint. Campbell missing sack number one hundred. You know, and basically it ended up being an even worse play. You know, it was going to be maybe a sack minus three, and it ended up being a, a pass for minus five.
4: By now, you're probably noticing that there's strange tall boys of beer in the bottled water section of your local stores. Well, that's because it's not beer. It's actually mountain spring water from the Alps, and it's called Liquid Death. Why is it called Liquid Death? Well, because it will brutally murder your thirst, and their infinitely recyclable tall boy cans help bring death to plastic bottles. They also donate 10% of their profits from every can sold to help kill plastic pollution. By now, you probably know how much I love Liquid Death. Well, every week I tell you about a different way I've used liquid death to mess with people. This week it was taking a cooler full of liquid death to the softball game. Because as our team chugged down liquid death, our play improved while the other team drank other stuff and maybe got a little sloppy out on the field. So take liquid death. The other team has no clue what you're doing. Or take it to work. We've talked about that many times. Drag it around your friends at school. Maybe the carpool lane. Maybe we'll talk about the carpool lane next week. Just take Liquid Death. Enjoy it. It's ice cold water. You're going to have a great time and fun. Go get Liquid Death at your local Harris Teeter or 7-Eleven or find Liquid Death retailers near you with their store locator tool at liquiddeath.com slash filmstudy. That's liquiddeath.com slash filmstudy.
2: Uh, on the play, but it, it was, it was a case where you really, you really wanted Campbell to get that sack. And I, I I hope he's able to come back this year for the Ravens and get it, but, uh, it's not a really high probability at this point. I wouldn't think, I mean, first of all, any game is not a real high probability for Campbell to get a, get a sack. But, um, you know, if, if, uh, if, if he doesn't play next year, this could be it. He could be done at 99 sacks
3: yeah hopefully he gets back i'd like to see him get that second home game so they play the they play the falcons at home this upcoming week and then the steelers at home after that mm-hmm. i like if he, if he has to set up this week and you know they play a rookie quarterback on on, on a. I guess it's not really a short week because they play saturday and saturday so it's kind of like a full week of work but like i'd, I'd love to see him get that hundredth sack against the steelers in week what 17 17 yeah that'd be pretty yeah, that, cool
2: all right, well, this is the part of the show where we talk about individual players. So let's uh, start do that. Josh, you're the guest. Who would you like to talk about?
3: Um, Patrick, Patrick Queen. We already talked about him a, a little bit. I still think he had a, um, he had a, overall, he had a really good game today. I'm um, not today, you know, Saturday. And um, I think he's like, he's the guy that, like I said, um, a lot of people like, like, I feel like he took his, he was already like ascending before Roquan got here, and then once Roquan got here, it just like took his game to a whole nother level. And um, like I said, he finished with six total tackles and and half a sack. I love I love seeing him coming on on blitzes, and um, I've seen him doing his thing.
2: Yeah, d- doing a much better job in terms of missed tackles. He did have one really bad game recently where he had. Maybe four missed tackles, but he's had a he's had a good run of not missing tackles. Good downhill play. He's he's much more confident about sticking a guy in the hole, getting into the backfield on run blitzes, uh, doing a much better job of running people over. But you know that was this thing that really stood out from this game was the way he made um, Wyatt Teller look on the pass rush where he came and got the half sack. I mean, he, did, he actually didn't finish that well on the sack. away o- really did the, did the heavy lifting, but he got there first in terms of the pressure, made the ball come down. And, and that was all running straight over a guy who was one of the best guards in the NFL last year.
3: But say like, like he just like completely bullied him both of those and all pro guard made him look like he was like, like a four stringer. Uh that was one of my favorite plays of the game. And I was like, that's how you, <laughs> that's, how, that's how you blow somebody up and get into the backfield. generates some pressure, man. I, I love seeing that from, from PQ. Yeah. Well,
2: another good game from Roquan Smith, I thought also, so I'll, I'll, uh, I'll tack uh tab him for the second one of these uh, contributions again are really balanced and and he was you know we take notes and and I always post both the good and the bad so he's got a star trek treatment segment that's uh about 15 plays this week if you want to go out and look at the article but a lot of it is he's being blocked on run plays that were successful and and that's going to be most of the time true when when the other team runs off tackle or up the middle you're generally going to going to need to block the linebackers in some ways on those plays and I usually you know note how that's been done in terms of a guard getting up to that level or whoever gets the job done. Um, but he, uh, he had a very balanced game in terms of making good quality run tackles. He had decent coverage. He had a great play where he mirrored Watson all the way to the right sideline to force him to throw the ball away. By the way, Tyler Huntley learned how to throw the ball away. please, (laughs) Just just like Watson did on that play. Uh, so anyway, it's, uh, was another one of these things that, 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 uh, you know, really irked us obviously about the game here, but Roquan, you know, great balance play. I, I think I understand why the Ravens were willing to throw so much out there. Um, I don't think that it's necessarily a given that Roquan stays next year, but I think it's a possibility that, that he's a guy they want to invest some money in. And if they, if they do, it probably means they've only, they'll only have Patrick queen for one more year.
3: Yeah, yeah, i um, like I, I definitely think he's a guy that they could get, you know, a, kind of like a Marcus Peters kind of treatment. Like they were so impressed with Marcus Peters in 2019 with the impact that he had on the defense down the stretch. They're like, all right, we have to have, we have to keep this guy around for at least a few more years. You know, even if they don't end up giving, you know, Roquan the, you know, six five year deal that you know some guys like Fred Warner and I guess he's not Darius Leonard anymore, Sha- Shaquille Shaquille Leonard now. If the he doesn't, he's like I know that's the he's rumored to have to have one, and I don't think. Ravens are going to break the bank quite that, like you know, quite that much. But I definitely think he's a guy that the Ravens, especially if he keeps playing the way he's been ha- playing, and he has like a huge impact for them as far as like you know, postseason wise. Like if this guy, if, if this guy's endears himself to this fan base and this organization with huge postseason play, he's like a catalyst for a like you know, a deeper than divisional round run. I definitely think he's going to be in Baltimore to stay, and like, luckily they have Patrick Queen for 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 next year, and possibly even pick up the fifth year option if you can get these guys together. For you know, at least two more at least two more years and you squeeze the Super Bowl out of it, you know. I'm that's 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 I'm i to let Queen walk, but um I'd rather them keep okay. both of those guys.
2: So let's talk for a second, because this comes up almost every week with the guest, is what what's an acceptable Ravens season for you? If they make it to the conference championship and lose, is that a wasted season or is that an okay season?
3: I don't believe in wasted seasons, man. Like everything is a learning experience for me. And like, you know, like no, not for me, but you know, like for, for the, for the team, it's just like, you know, like the things that you like, you know, the things that you learned from the previous season always applied things going forward. Like, you know, to me, you learn more from your failures than your successes, because like, just because you succeeded something doesn't mean you're going to be able to do all that exact formula and do it again. So like, you know, like, like, all right, we were, we were right here last year, you know, let's, let's attack this off season with an enthusiasm unknown to mankind and address these corners. You know what I'm saying? So like um I don't I don't believe in wasted seasons. Um I like coming into this year, uh like you know I I'm you not going to I, I I had super aspirations for this team. Um I still hold not outside hope that you know they can make some semblance of a run here but um even if they make it, I if, if they make it, if they make it past the wild card round into the division round, and um, like I said, I, I'd be fine with the with the AFC the title game appearance. You know, if Lamar, <laughs> if, if Lamar, can, if Lamar can come back and they, they can make it to a conference title game, you know, like uh, cause I'm just, I'm just tired of like the, the Lamar detractors, the and they're not, not going to go away until he wins everything. But like, I'd like to see him at least, I'd see Lamar at least play in the conference title game um, before, uh, before, before not too long.
2: Yeah, I mean, there's a there's a group of Lamar detractors who are bigots. They're never going to be fixed, so don't even bother. I mean, they, those guys. I'm talking you, about the ones that like yeah. to move the goalposts. Like, yeah. like oh well, Josh well no, no, the, the... some of them are bigots, but but, yeah. but, but 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 yeah, a lot of the goalpost movers. They just they they want the narrative to be what they want the narrative to be. And even him winning a Super Bowl, they would credit something else. They would credit the Ravens' great defense. Well, sure, Trent Dilfer won the Super Bowl. Sure, Joe Flacco won the Super Bowl. They had great defenses. Well, first of all, Trent Dilfer did.
3: Joe Flacco did not. Joe Flacco did not. <laughs> did not. No, no. He had a <laughs> I mean, very opportunistic defense. I yeah. tell people all the time, he didn't have a dominant <laughs> defense. He had a very opportunistic defense yeah. that capitalizes some huge lever- high-leverage moments. But but that team, <laughs> and by no, by no means – was you know like uh, you know the ghost of ed reed and, and and ray lewis past right the you know the same the same dynamic dudes that they were in their heyday so like that 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 whole run was that was Joe Flacco in like absolute god mode. It
2: was it was uh it was all it was magic. Uh all the like Kobe Jones it was it was the it was Reed and Lewis each making a big play in the Super Bowl but Lewis Almost lost that game for them, frankly, for about the first three and a half quarters, and then yeah, all of Vernon a sudden, Davis he, eat his lunch. Yeah, he 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 put the cape on and, the, and the, starting at first and five, you know, or or a, you know a second and five, I guess it was, and those last three plays, he made a huge contribution to. Which, by the way, I've I've done shorts on this and other things. It, I, it, to me, it's the greatest career-ending moment in any sport by any superstar. So you have a, you have a a superstar career ending and he ends it on second and five, third and five, fourth and five, where he makes a significant contribution to each of those plays, even though he didn't have a tackle Um, significant contribution to each of those plays uh, it's, it's much bigger than Ted Williams hummering in his final at bat, which is, is the one that people always point to in baseball. There's other ones in, in, in football. Obviously a lot of people have retired after winning the Super Bowl. John Elway, Yeah. John and Bettis and people like that, but, but there isn't anyone who had the, their final three plays had the impact on that game totally that, that Ray Lewis did. So anyway, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it, People will change the narrative to be whatever they makes them right from the from their original position, and that that's just annoying and 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 fairly well useless. The the, the person who I really will respect as a football analyst is the person who to change his opinion when it's proven to be wrong. You know, it's just it's you, that's what you need to be able to do. If if uh, if it's and Patrick Queen is playing a lot better than he ever had before, I basically w- was of the opinion earlier this season that there was almost a zero percent chance Patrick Queen's fifth year option was going to get picked up. Now I think it's basically a sure thing. You know, I think, yeah. I think it's changed basically like that during this year. Um, but you, you just got to be willing to change your opinion on 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 players when they when they're starting to play well. A lot of people down on Ben Powers this year going into the year, and he, yeah, he's boy. If you're still down on Ben Powers, you you don't really get it. Yeah, man, uh, it's
3: just like people are just like so hell bent on just yeah. you know sticking to their preconceived notions about people. Or like I read this person was trash, so forever in my mind he's going to be trash. Or if he has he has a stretch of greatness, but has like one slip up, I'll see like oh. that he was trash. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, That's that's exactly right, and you do get a lot of that. So all you all you have to have is uh, is one or two straight bad games, and then everybody who you know wants to fire Harbaugh, for example, is is the big one. We'll just leave it at that. <laughs> anyway, um, other players, you have another player you want to choose.
3: Uh Kyle Hamilton, we talked about him a bunch in, the, in 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 part one, but I really thought it was like especially for a player who they were like really kind of targeting, going after in the first half. Um, the guy really stepped up and, and held his own. Um, I didn't like seeing him line up on Amari Cooper. You never like seeing a safety on a on a number one receiver like that, but um, he, he still made play after play. And like I said, we, we talked about um uh, but his play like um, the fact that David Ajabo after having after catching seven to seven in the first game for 71 yards. And before he left with an ankle injury, the fact that this guy only had like three catches on five targets for twenty-eight yards—that's a to me—that's like all right, put a feather in cap for Kyle Hamilton. Um, he had that great pass breakup at the uh, in in the uh, near the near the end zone. He had to keep get him under the end zone. And um, like I said I really like the way this guy's really come on and really embraced and shine in this hybrid nickel slash safety role. Yeah,
2: is that is the the honey badger for for this team? You know, coming into this year. You know, he's a, he's a number fourteen overall pick, so but but he also is coming in a situation where Clark has the green dot and Williams is the free safety. And so we did this series of shows over the you didn't do Kyle Hamilton with me, did you because I know you did you did at least one or two of them Josh. I try um, to remember who you did who the two players you did when we did the looking ahead of one player on I the did office, player i did
3: I did Patrick Queen and Isaiah likely, I'm pretty sure okay.
2: All right. So that, you know, you got a good one there, but, but on the Kyle Hamilton one. So in terms of what was a good year and what was a great year, what I said about Kyle Hamilton was one, he establishes a significant role on this defense uh, was, was going to be, was, and he certainly has checked off that. And the second one, which would have been a great year is he, he makes himself irreplaceable on the field. He forces himself in, into a role where he's on the, on on the field. And I said every play, I think, but I think he qualifies onto that thing. He's it's, they don't have anybody better it's not just that but also he's too good to keep off the field at this point he's he's you know by far gives them more at slot corner than than putting up a typical nfl slot corner there
3: yeah, yeah. And the fact that you can do so much with him. Like, you know, he like like, yeah, is he the best matchup for your shifty slot guys like a like like a Sims from Pittsburgh or you know, one of those squirrely guys? No, he's not. You know, it's just, it's just that's just, you know, not the kind of person that he is, as as talented as he is. But a lot of times teams move those bigger bodies into the slot. They try to have those I think what well, I think I think Robert Mays likes to call him power slots as far as mm-hmm. like you know big body receivers that they like to line up inside and take advantage of those smaller corners. You're not doing that with Kyle Hamilton, okay? Because yeah. the, the you're not you're not bowling past this dude. Now if you have a if you're if you're a savvy route runner of a Mari Cooper's caliber, then yeah you might be able to you know like get him the bite inside or you know look bite a little head fake double move or something like that. But you know, nine times out of ten, Kyle Hamilton is gonna is gonna he's gonna get in your grill and you're not getting you're not getting the free release mm-hmm. off the line of scrimmage.
2: Well, I, two things to say specifically about the one is the shifty slot receivers, Wes Welker, Edelman, those guys that the Beasley and, and, you know, any number of other guys, frankly, are usually too quick and too good at what they do in route wise. And they're too good at rubbing to not get open. Okay. So they, they, they do all those things well. So even if you're really fast you, I mean, they faced faster guys than who. I mean, none of those guys is a world class sprinter or anything. So they faced you know guys the change, of are, yeah, the change
3: the change of direction though. Yeah, change the direction. Man.
2: They're they, they're whip route guys who know how to take advantage, know how to read leverage on an opposing defender, and and essentially wiggle at the line of scrimmage where you know other outside X and Z receivers wiggle at the top of the route. You know. So anyway, I, I, those are very hard to cover no matter what. The second point about Hamilton is he, he's a complete answer for a twelve flex tight end. You know, if the other team plays 12, it's the perfect freaking combination because the Ravens get to play three inside what well, they can. They can play three inside de- defensive line, or they can play two, um, and, they, and they can use uh, Hamilton in the slot. They can only play three inside linebackers with Hamilton in the slot if they play one – sorry, three inside defensive linemen if they play one inside linebacker under that that circumstance. But the Ravens do that sometimes, and so it's, it's a reasonable – uh, you know choice to play that jumbo nickel and and, and get hamilton on the field but I, I it's it's he's not just a matchup guy i don't i it's like it's too constraining a thing he's a very useful multi-tool player who can rush the quarterback be big and create problems underneath in zone defense i mean there's just there's a number of things that are positives for him that make up in a lot of ways for the fact that he's going to be pretty slow covering somebody off the line of scrimmage, as opposed to uh, using his instincts to read the quarterback and get to a spot that's deeper on the field.
3: Yeah, yeah, I think that like I I I I I had, um wrote something like like months ago, like you know, like that. I felt like I mean I was so excited about the Kyle Hamilton pick that I was like, man, this uh, this guy has the potential. I mean, this is like kind of like me like really projecting here but mm-hmm. i was like you know this guy has the potential to have like a michael parsons-esque impact on this defense like the fact that that you know like like after watching the way not not that he's going to be defensive rookie, rookie of the year but it completely changed the way that this team can play defense as far as like the seismic impact he can have on the things they can do on the field schematically like for the cowboys last year it's like you know let Micah go hunt right but mm-hmm. for the Ravens this year it's like let kyle hamilton you know just be that versatile defensive piece that you can use to just like, you know, like cover this portion of the field here, or like, you know, the like middle of the field to use on blitzes to, um, you know, like I said, take away a flex side end. And like, that's, as, as far as the way like not, like I said, not being defensive rookie of the year or like, you know, setting some kind of crazy, crazy franchise record, but having the kind of like, you know, huge impact, you know, seismic impact on the defense that can like completely alter the way that you can call plays because he's that impactful and that in, valuable as a player. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, definitely an exciting talent to be sure. I'll go on. I'll talk about Brent Urban in this game. We haven't had a whole lot of discussion of him, although we talked about him getting a sack. Um, really had an impressive set of plays for being out there for only 20 snaps. So it was, uh, first of all, the Ravens, the Browns average just 2.8 yards per play with Urban in the game and 5.6 without him. I'm not saying that's the be-all end-all, but he made a contribution to that in this particular game. And I'm also not saying that that's indicative of him being that much better than the other defenders the Ravens could put out there. It's just he had a particularly good game in this case. Uh, he beat he beat he ended up beating the left tackle Willis inside on that S-9. Uh, some really good run plays that he was part of, including a, uh, setting the left edge and assisting Smith to tackle Chubb on a, on a loss of one. Uh, had another one where he diagnosed a screen pass. It was a really impressive play and the ball fell incomplete at the line of scrimmage. It was really more grounded than anything else because because he was in position uh along with uh with Smith to uh, uh to make that be a no gain and and frankly a uh, a fairly painful play for the running back. So it was, what was the running back. I think it was I think it was Chubb, but it might actually have been Peoples Jones on that play. No, I think it was Chubb. I think it was Chubb. Uh, but anyway, uh, very impressive game I thought from Brent Urban.
3: Yeah, I mean, Brent Brent's been a solid role player for the Ravens all all year this year. I'm really grateful that they got him. And um, like not just to spell Campbell, but to also like contributed some 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 quality snaps. And he's been stepping up to the plate. You know, you like to see those those journeyman guys Come, you know, come in and find their little niche in the defense, not in the star role, but like a, a nice rotational, you know, contribute, like that like consistent contributor. Somebody who can step up and make some key plays in games like this. Um, it's too bad that you know it was a losing effort, but I really like what I really like what I've been seeing from Urban all year.
2: Yeah, me, me too. And I, I think he's probably a guy the Ravens try and keep around on a vet men deal next year. Um, and yeah, you know, it's, it's very unfortunate, but you know, in the NFL, your time comes and goes so quickly, but. You know, Brent Urban is now an older defensive lineman. He's, I think he's 31 right now. But but whatever the case, now he's been in the league for for a number of years. He he had his chance to to get a big contract. Unfortunately, he got hurt uh, that year, which didn't work out for him, and he, and he ended up making you know less money than he otherwise would have in this game. Uh, hopefully, he'll stay for an extra year. Pernell McPhee, a guy who did make his money certainly with the bears in terms of getting that big second contract came back to the Ravens. Also kind of a similar player in terms of the, of, he was a, you know, a solid rotational player when he came back to the Ravens. Uh, he was a great multiple down player when he was with the bears and, and the Ravens never really used him that way, not on the first trip and not on the second trip, but uh, uh, he did end up, even on the second trip, he should have had his snap count limited and they didn't limit it and they caused some injury problems from it.
3: Yeah. Yeah. It would have been nice if they were a little, little bit deeper. I mean, but they were still like, well, this is his first year back was, it was, was 2019, right? Yes. Yeah, so it was 2019. And that was the year after they had lost Suggs and, um, and Darius Smith. So they were, they were still kind of like, all right, you know, this guy that we, you know, you know, RIP Jalen Ferguson, you know, he wasn't exactly panning out or hitting the ground running. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that kind of like forced them like, okay, we're gonna have to play this guy a little bit more. And then, then Fee got, then Fee got hurt that year. So he ended up tearing his biceps and, and Fer, Fergie ended up playing a lot more down the stretch. But, um, yeah, he plays, he came back, like a, like a Brenner, came back and played some really, um, solid snaps where the Ravens was a key contributor. Hopefully Urban can have the same, you know, impact and be a key contributor and help this team make the, make the, well, not make, just make the playoffs. Cause they're probably gonna make the playoffs. So, you know, hopefully make some noise. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah that would be a, a big deal. You're, you're up again. If you want to go in anybody else.
3: Uh, I, I, we already talked about him a little bit. Um, the Broderick Washington is a guy who I, re, I really like. He's been playing. He led all defensive linemen in, um, in this game in uh, well, Ravens defensive linemen, at least, and tackles with, 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 uh, with four. And he's just been, he's just been surprising, man. Like he's a guy who, uh, one of those guys like, like, like a powers who were kind of like on the outside looking in to something to some people, like, you know, coming into this year, as far as like, you know, bubble player, because like everybody was talking about how much depth the Ravens had on defensive line that, you know, maybe they might be able, you know, might not be able to keep Brody this year. And, you know, I'm not going to lie. I was kind of in that camp. Like, I don't know, man, you got, you got Travis Jones and you got Matabike and you got, you know, Pierce back and you got Campbell and, you know, you're going to want to keep urban, you know, just so he can spell Campbell. So that's already five. And then you had Isaiah Mack, who I really like So I don't, I, I, and then, you know, those other guys are kind of shining more in the preseason than Brody was, but, um, Brady's been—he's—he's—he's been—I wouldn't say a tecla revelation, but he's been a pleasant surprise um, this year, and has really been a key contributor in this game. And made some good plays too.
2: So Isaiah Mack, I've to check here. He's—he is still in the practice squad, and he'd be one of the guys who would be likely activated for these final three games. Um, I think that uh, you know, they've still got—I believe they brought him up once, but they might have brought
3: him up twice. Uh, I, think it was, I think it was just. I think it was just one time when they okay. were. I forgot who were they were down, but I remember they were. They were. Um, I remember him being active for one game.
2: Pretty, pretty shocking to me that he has not been taken so far. Defensive line in general, pretty thin across the National Football League. The COVID year kind of thinned out a lot of the younger players. Yeah,
3: he's building. definitely shown a lot of, a lot of pass rush like flash. He's flashed a lot of pass potential. Well, then the preseason and regular season, I, th- I thought he would have been scooped up by now. But the fact that he's still in the Ravens, on the Ravens practice squad, is um cool but also like perplexing Mm
2: -hmm. well he'll be a he'll be a free agent after this year uh i i I did feel pretty sure that he'd be gone by now but uh probably be up in these last uh three games if uh if campbell can't go anyway um let's see i think i'm pretty well tapped out on players i want to talk about if you got anybody else we can do it
3: no i mean marlon had a pretty pretty decent game um you know per usual but, but um Oh, did you want to talk about Marlon some more? Or? No,
2: yo. You know, if if you do, I'm gonna look for the mailbag. And if if you want to talk about Marlon a little bit, I'll try and find oh, out the questions. Well,
3: um, six 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 solo tackles for him, and you know, just Marlon doing Marlon things. I would like to see him dislodge that ball from that unit, from that um, from that uh, practice squad receiver that we talked about. Um, like I, said, I haven't. I said, Marlo, Marlon's been great in coverage this year. Um, I'd like to, like, even though he already has, you know, has, he has three interceptions, which is, you know, I think tied for his career high. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm missing the fruit punch, man. I'm missing, like, and I think, I think, I think, Receivers are keenly aware. They're like, hey, you know, this is a guy who likes to punch the ball out, so let me really kind of tuck this thing away. Or like, you know, ball security is a is, is a must in these kind of situations. But I I miss the fruit punch and I'd like to see him, you know, dislodge some of those balls. I know, cause I know he sometimes he kind of like lets the guy catch it so he can get the opportunity for a for, for huh. a fumble. Um, that's what I feel like he does sometimes. Cause I'm like, man, why don't you, why don't you break on that thing sooner, man? But I think he's like trying to create his own turn of opportunity. Sometimes But the other times i be like, man, just, just bat it down, just bat it down. Like, you know, you're not going to get a forced fumble every time I'd rather you not complete the pass. I'd rather be fourth and 14 than third and two.
2: Right. I, I'm, I, I don't know that I would blame him of that, but he's, he definitely is his physicality much more useful on the boundary. So oh, any yeah. anytime the Ravens have to bring him into the slot, they're losing the ability for for Humphrey to use those baseball bat arms and knock that ball free uh and and you know even just deflect it he's he's shown some wonderful instincts to uh you know use his physicality on receiver come off his own man this year that I think is more useful on the outside uh i actually think his cover 3 skills are not that great we do have a question about that here uh and let me get to make sure i'm crediting the right person here it's from at Frank Sports Twenty One, he says this is not the first time Marlin has been beat in Cover Three, and I think he's. This is on December 11th, so it's after the last game. He probably did this. Do the Ravens need to consider avoiding that coverage going forward? Uh, I, I don't believe that you can just toss out Cover Three. Obviously, that's a that's a, a big coverage for Peters in terms of being able to look at the look at what's going on. It's a big coverage for uh williams in terms williams, of you yeah. look in the backfield and and being able to read the quarterback and make a play on those level two level three throws uh and i don't think marlin is nearly the weakness that um frank makes him out to be i think he's he's a you know it might it might be a weaker point of his game you're better having him physically a guy off the line of scrimmage in man coverage being able to use the sideline as the extra defender you know I, kind of do what I call the Ike Taylor or Jimmy Smith method where, where he basically makes the receiver run out of rum along the sidelines by coaxing him over and even out of bounds. Uh, you know, uh, I, I, I like Marlon Humphrey, I, but, but I don't want to take any options off the table for the Ravens defensively whether they want to play zone or man.
3: No, when you have two ball hogs like the Ravens have having in, in Peters and Williams, you don't want to limit yourself to the kind of impact they can have because those can be game changing plays for you guys, especially a guy like Peters who, you know, on, uh, typically on you know when in years he's not recovered from ACLs, is a threat to take it to take a ball back to the house.
2: And you know, sometimes it's the underneath guys that benefit as well. And and in this particular defense, Hamilton is a guy who would have an underneath role in a cover three, and. What he can do for you there is probably more than what he can do for you. Try to cover somebody in man. He can get in the way of things, he can react to the football, as we've seen on his on his interception this year very effectively on a tipped ball. Uh, but he can create problems for uh receivers uh by by scissoring in from the offside. The quarterback's always very focused on just out throwing the trail coverage, and you'll see a lot of interceptions happen because somebody then crosses crosses the field laterally and will will get in the throwing lane by anticipating it. That's where underneath he can do you a ton of good, particularly if if you got a trailing linebacker or otherwise which, you know, can occasionally happen with a Roquan Smith. So, I I I really love what Hamilton gives them underneath and and that's again a place where you have to have somebody playing the back end in those zone coverages and and Humphrey's a natural guy.
3: Yeah. So, yeah, I'm locked up with you.
2: All right. Let's let's roll on. I got one more question here. This one's from Jeff B. He says Matt Abike, who's been playing great, often gets called for roughing the passer. He had the roughing the passer, course of course, in the previous game, and then he <laughs> had two two immediate. Yeah, it was a woof of a call. I thought. do you think so too,
3: or would you okay with it? You are talking about the, the Steelers game? Yeah. No, that was god awful. No, I was no, no, no. Like, I, I, I as a three hundred pound man myself, <laughs> um, it's, 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 it's hard. It's hard to stop yourself just when you're like coming down the stairs a little too fast. <laughs> I can't, I can't imagine if these guys are flying full speed at an at, at another human being who still has the ball, by the way. And if you hit a guy as he's as he's releasing the ball, like you can't stop three hundred pounds plus pounds of momentum from just. All right, let me, cause like, let me just stop air, like it's the matrix like no this, like real life doesn't work like the matrix you can't shift all your body weight to one side and then try to like just like oh man he let the ball go let me just in this split second decision even though my head's already down and i'm already wrapping it versus wrapping him up let me just let him go and then fall to my side and make sure i don't land on him <laughs> like it doesn't work like that i'd love to see the people who make these rules try to execute some of these plays that they're telling these players to avoid and it's like physically physically impossible
2: I, I I was laughing at that metaphor. You should have given me a little warning because I took a drink that took a little bit of my drink and I almost spat it out there as he said, you know, it's just it's just as a three hundred-pound man coming down the stairs could be stopping his. But anyway, I, I thought it was funny that Matthique is the one who was supposedly behind putting the Oscar in Queens. Locker, as far as that thigh bruise, yeah, in, yeah, in that background. was funny. And, and you know, basically, you know, they're having this argument that gets captured on video about you, you, know, you want me to be not great and not really try hot, that hard, you know, and and you know, risk hitting you on that play with a you know multi car pileup, effectively. And he's eating his food and just laughing at Queen over this topic. And then the very next week, of course, he gets calls for roughing the passer where he can't stop himself. So, uh, yeah, it's a little bit of a it's a little bit of a bummer. You could tell Madavika was very upset about that call. Yeah, this
3: this this off. I mean, it still wasn't as bad as the Jalen Phillips one from from later on that night, um, from the Miami Chargers game. I don't know if you saw that one, where like he literally just like not even let Like he stopped himself. Like he was it's one of the rare cases where a guy actually stopped himself. Like he had his mm-hmm. hands on the ground and didn't even put his whole body weight on Herbert. But they threw the roughing the passer anyways, just because I don't, I don't know. You can't we, touch we, these guys
2: anymore. <laughs> it is it's it's annoying as hell. You know what would really be nice on roughing the passer. Maybe intentional grounding would be another good one, but you can, a, a couple of these calls that that they basically always call after the play anyway. Roughly the pass are almost always called after the play. Intentional grounding always called way after the play. You know they they, they often will call it five seconds after the play. It is just have a replay judge up in the booth that's responsible for flagging that. It's it's not an on field guy. It's it's the guy who has some access to the video. Who you it's know press- judge sky judge who presses the the Ravens
3: Ravens have been have been trying to get the NFL to adopt that for years and I know the one of the one of the I think it was either the USFL or one of the other leagues had had it I think the XFL and the USFL had a sky judge where they had somebody from the booth who does like all those kind of reviews and I think it's a great thing for the NFL to implement and you you can Slowly see the NFL starting to like you know take some things from these from these other leagues because now yes. they do the now they do the, the the I know it's a small thing but they do the sideline um interview with the coach after each quarter or after each half. Like, you know, that started from the arena league, not arena league, but, you know, from, XFL. The, from those yeah, XFL, they start. They were doing that. And I mean, they're never going to do that, um, you know, give you inside the headset as the quarterback calling the play, because that's a clear disadvantage for other other teams later down the road. But I think the more they learn from these other leagues, the better their league will be in turn. And, um, man, can we get can the Ravens get some of those refs to let um, to let, um what's his name? Mike White get murdered in Buffalo. Like <laughs> I, want, I want some of I want some of those refs because he was getting he was getting just crucified back there. And they weren't they weren't calling anything.
2: Yeah, it's it's obviously they need a, they need a single standard. If they did have that, the best chance of getting that is, is the sky judge. Uh, you know, they they could do another they could set it up otherwise using sensors on the on the quarterback if they really wanted to. Uh you know, if you watch the World Cup at all, look at the offsides calls and how quickly they can make those with the electronic recreation of mm-hmm. of how they're doing. I mean, they are right on it. I mean, and it's you know, it's it's it, it, they had one in the in the final just this morning that was incredibly close, and you know somehow they've you know they've got it exactly right, and uh, it's just very impressive. And if if you talk to soccer fans who were my age, and that's not me, of course I haven't watched a lot of soccer in a lifetime, but I've got one cousin who's a cousin in law who's who's that age has watched a ton of soccer. And He goes, I don't know how many goals have been messed up in the history of soccer by the offsides call being being called improperly but it's a ton and you know, electronic calls are good in baseball they you know going to electronic ball and strike calls is going to be so much better than what they have now with where they literally are grading umpires in terms of you know number of runs cost each team per game by their bad decisions yeah anyway give me more of that
3: I'll just- yeah 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 I'm all, I'm all for innovation man it's all about growth
2: all right, Josh. Always a pleasure to talk football with you, my friend. Uh, tell folks where they can find your stuff online.
3: Uh, so you can find my Ravens-related content at Heavy on Ravens. That's uh, one of the one of the sub sub, sub sites for uh, Heavy Incorporated for Heavy Sports. And um, yeah, you can read all my Ravens content there. You can always um, reach me on on Twitter at Josh Reed nine zero seven. Um, from Alaska, you say nine zero seven, but you know for for these purposes, that's. Gonna spell it out for you just josh reed 907 there's actually more josh reeds out there than i thought there would be oh there's yeah actually, there's a lot there's a, of josh Reads. <laughs> yeah there's actually one there's one guy who i follow who he covers the bills professionally and and um i'm trying to get that blue check mark like him the the verified blue not not the you pay for it blue so
2: you want to get there uh, are there now going to be two on twitter i don't know i've never uh, bothered to get to try and get the blue check either either by the
3: I mean, just as a as a media person, I'd, I'd I'd like to eventually earn my earn my blue check mark and not pay the eight dollars a month for it. I'm not shaming anybody who does do that. Yeah. I just you know, like I'm the, I've always been that like, you know, earn it kind of guy, not a just take the shortcut and pay for it kind of guy. If
2: if it provided some additional security, I'd buy it for eight dollars a month. But I don't know that it gives you any additional security on, on the thing. I just it's just it you're just so buying a.
3: So when you when you click on, on somebody who's verified, it'll say they're verified because they're, uh, you know, a media is related to some kind of, like, you know, actual like big thing or it'll say they're verified through Twitter blue. And that's like that's how you know what somebody had paid, paid for it. And it's not like a, a member of the media or a celebrity.
2: But but does it do anything else for your account? Does it give you two factor authentication that you can't otherwise have? Or does it protect your account from being spoofed by somebody else? Not that anybody spoofed, spoofed my account that I know of. But is, is there what I mean, what is there that, that, that you get for that blue check that's beyond the vanity of having a blue check?
3: Um, I mean, just like the peak of when you because like so I, I know you see the thing on, on Twitter, you have that like the likes and then the verified thing. So if you look on better then you, then you can only get then you only see the feed from people who are verified. I, I'm, oh, I'm guessing,
2: yeah. OK. So if that's if that's true, then it has some value. And, but, mm-hmm. uh, but, uh but I, 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 that's interesting. So you can set your notifications to cut out anybody who's not verified.
3: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You can, yeah. You can look at your notifications and then like click on verified and to show you all, anybody who has the blue check mark. So like if you're looking for like NFL news or something like that, and like you already have no, your push notifications on for the Ian Rapp reports and the Adam Schefters and stuff like that, then you can, or like the people who cover your team locally, like a Jamison Hensley or a Jeff um, uh you can uh, follow them, follow them too. And cause they're all verified.
2: Okay. Interesting. All right, Josh, uh, other folks out there, I, I've got to ask uh, them to, if you want to be on a film study short, go ahead and hit me up with a DM on Twitter, looking for 20 to 25 minute topics. Uh, but if we have a long conversation, that's fine too. But I'm looking for somebody who has passion. If you have something analytic to do, that's great. If you have something you just want to be passionate about a change, the Ravens ought to make or franchise building, whatever you like the draft. Happy to talk to you about it. Uh, I'll uh, respond very quickly to, to to DMS, which are always open. Josh, thanks again for coming on. Thanks for having me,
3: Ken. It's always great talking to you. And we'll talk to you next time on Film Study.